Guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. The sponsor of today's show is Evest, a digital brokerage firm founded with the vision of bringing trust and credibility to the world of online trading. Evest provides investors with better opportunities in the online trading industry, offering self-trade service with high level of security and secured global licenses. Evest offers 100% reliable stocks with zero commission. So I just got back from the Future Investment Initiative in Riyadh, FII. I've been there three out of the six times, I think. And I mentioned that because this year was exceptional. It was full of people, but real buzzy energy about the place. Uh, a lot of American accents, a lot of investments. And uh, I really think uh, we go back and forth to Saudi Arabia. Uh, we have a business there since 2017 and, uh, you know, loving Saudi and uh, Smashy in Arabic over there, and also loving Riyadh, loving Jeddah, loving Sharqiyah, and loving Neom, and it's going really well. Our country manager Iyad does a really good job at it. Um, but what's happening in the wider uh, space in Saudi Arabia is there are these uh, indigenous homegrown startups like Jahaz and others who are really uh, dominating the market and providing that domestic story and uh, not expanding per se. Some of them are, but they're really doing well in that market. And with backing, like with the initiative, with the Vision 2030, with PIF, with other uh, support systems and the regional VCs really uh, doing well in that market, you're seeing huge interest, not only from the region, but from the West in what's happening in Saudi Arabia. And I was really taken by when we when I saw uh, some of the biggest names in the financial world on a panel, people like Ray Dalio and um, uh, David Solomon uh, from Goldman Sachs and also Jamie Dimon. And uh, uh, it reminded me of when Silicon Valley was really going and a lot of the sort of post-tech uh, bubble, like a lot of the sort of 2010 direction, big values on the stock market. Uh, the bankers in, in New York didn't necessarily, uh, weren't getting a cut of what the VCs were getting. And Jamie Dimon, who is, is the CEO of uh, Goldman, uh, of JP Morgan Chase, uh, sort of nurtured and uh, cultivated that talent in Silicon Valley. And um, it, it manifested, there's an anecdote that there was uh, uh, one of the, the, the local basketball teams, I, I should know this, Golden State, I think, they, uh, they had a new big stadium and People thought it would be called the Apple uh, Arena or the Googleplex, but it's actually called the Chase uh, Stadium. And that's because he bid for that money. He bid money for to name that stadium rights. In other words, to really sort of uh, position their brand as a friend of the tech startups and uh, to be there when they IPO and to be their partner uh, with that growth. And I think something similar is happening now in Saudi Arabia where uh, where we will see lots of unicorns, we'll see more listings, not just semi-state companies or state companies or, uh, you know, really sort of legacy uh, private companies. We're going to see a lot of uh, startups listing in the market over there. And I think it's a fascinating space to watch, but incredible event. 
privileged to be there. It's uh, sort of pretty exclusive to get in and uh, really privileged to be there in a media capacity and uh, really made a lot of good contacts from it and would encourage people uh, to seek out those type of events in the region in the future because it's great that we can go to events and it's great that we can be uh, there back in person. So that's a little longer intro uh, to today's episode. It's also really interesting conversations and we do talk a lot about the future of digital as well uh, with the founder uh, of a digital transformation agency. So enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Carl Eskrit. He is the CEO and co-founder of Like Digital. They are an award-winning agency offering digital transformation services to the world's leading retail and luxury brands. This interesting sectors that we can talk about. So on, today, we'll talk about the story of Like Digital, uh, how uh, they work with brands in the UAE and the industry in general. Good morning, Carl. Good morning, Richard. Uh, welcome and thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So, yeah, so tell us a little bit about Like Digital. Um, yeah, so I mean, as you kind of uh, very lovely said in that uh, opening statement, um, primarily a, a what we would call a digital transformation agency right now, and you know, there's a lot of talk around that in the industry. Um, uh, the agency's, I think, around 11, 12 years old. Um, we formed it um, around 2011. Um, and you know, it started off really in that era of mobile uh, design and mobile development, you know, and we've really moved through the ages and moved through things. And we've got into really what is a, a, a modern world of, of transformation and we're helping brands move through their digital channels, move through their digital challenges um, and into the kind of really interesting world that we kind of live in right now, really. Um, so really exciting time. The, the agency's transformed really from, from a really small shop of a couple of people um, to around, I think we have around 80, 80 or so people right now globally um, and growing. So, Did yeah. you start in Dubai? Well, we didn't actually. We started in a, in a kitchen table in, a, in, a, in, a, in London. Um, wow. And as I say, it was a little bit kind of half by chance. You know, so it um, was your background in this industry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been in in digital uh, for almost twenty years now. So mm. kind of before probably most people can kind of remember. But um, you know, in the early kind of dot com bubble, um, which was quite interesting in that those kind of early two thousand years, um, and then really moved through. I've worked for a number of different agencies um, over the years, uh, the likes of Publicis, Sapient, um, which is one of the biggest. They were well known at the time for digital work, particularly, weren't they? Absolutely, absolutely. And, mm. you know, huge agency, uh, very well respected, amazing clients, and doing some you know, really phenomenal work. So, um, I worked for 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 that agency for a while. Um, I've worked you know in house um, at various brands, kind of on their really their emerging digital, kind of bringing them up through the e commerce uh, world into kind of where they are right now. Um, and then, as I say, around 2011, um, mobile commerce was starting to be a thing. You know, you had the, you know, the iPhone, the kind of very early iPhones. Mm. And um, there was just an opportunity to say, you know what, maybe there is there's something in this really. And, you know, we could look at how do we begin to take brands who are kind of only really figuring out e-commerce generally, you know, mm. um, and how do we move them into the, the mobile space, the mobile commerce space. 
So that was really one of the, the, the kind of first foundations for kind of like digital and, and, and where we are today, really. And Carl, how would you describe the services that you offer today? Um, so it's, it's transformed much like digital transformation, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is quite funny. Um, so the services have transformed and we've got a whole range of different services now. So we offer everything from, uh, strategic, uh, direction, um, or strategic advice or guidance, um, as you go in for your transformation, uh, uh, journey. Um, so that may be looking at the business and saying, okay, well, where are you right now? Is that from a business consulting point of view or from a marketing services point of view? Uh, primarily from a business consulting point okay. of view. So we'll, we'll look at uh, brands and say, okay, where are you on your journey? Mm. What's your health? What's your digital health? Um, um, you know, what's your commerce health? Or what are you trying to achieve? Um, and really how can, where are your kind of current pay points and, and where can you grow and so on? So it really starts at that level now, um, before we really can then go in into offering other services. Mm. Um, and those services can be relatively 360, everything from your know, user experience design to interface design, and then moving into um, you know, the actual system development uh, content as well, not to the, what you kind of doing from what we're experiencing today, but more from a uh, written content, um, on-site content, um, and then you know, everything in between really, then you're know, the support of the various digital channels going forward. And then of course the evolution, because the interesting thing about digital transformation is that you're always transforming. Mm. You know, so there's, there's no stop point, mm. you know, and we talk about, you know, digital transformation being quite a buzz word and a, and a thing right now, but, and people going on a journey, but that journey is, it's kind of never ending mm, really. True. So. It's perpetually changing. Yeah, it's interesting as well because, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong, I'm just going to put a year on that term and just say that digital transformation is kind of like five, six, seven years old, but as a, as a, maybe as a term, but, you know, when you were starting, it might have been more about they were predicting the year of mobile that kind of never came for a few years mm. and that was opportunity. But now, rather, rather, is this right in saying that rather than sort of pigeonholing and say, we're going to be a web three agency, you're just going to do, you're, you're staying in that sort of digital transformation, which will kind of understand, um, everything that's happening in the digital space and not just one area like mobile. Yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, it's a really good point and a, and a really interesting topic. And, you know, like it's, um, one that, you know, I kind of we're really thinking about on a day-to-day -day basis. So as I say, for, from a like digital perspective, you know, we started our business journey um, in mobile commerce because there was a real need. Um, you know, we saw the, 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 the advent of the iPhone and that, the, how popular that was becoming. Um, we knew that e-commerce from, and at this point we're talking desktop e-commerce was beginning to become interesting from a consumer perspective. And it was going to be a natural progression. So that, Kind of was an, a little bit of luck and a little bit of foresight into into what happens. Mm. Um, but then when we look at um, uh, where we are in the, from a future perspective, and 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 you know, there's a lot of talk about Web three and and mm. so on and so forth. You know, we are still very much um, taking the mindset of 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 transformation because actually Web three or VR or NFT, whatever you may um, whatever we kind of look at in you know the various hype cycles of technology there is still a transformation journey for brands to go on. And mm. we're just a little bit more aware of it than we once previously were. Okay. And traditionally in, in this industry that you're in, uh, people, you might work with clients, you might receive a digital uh, request for a proposal and you might submit your work. Do, do you still 
play in that space or are you sort of in more of the consultancy arena where you're looking at outside of marketing and you're more positioned to sort of look at the, uh, you know, as consultants would? Um, no, I mean, a bit of both. I mean, we will, um, we will generally get business from kind of one of three streams, either, um, a direct word of mouth recommendation, a lot of that. Um, happens a little bit less so these days because of the kind of work that we do. It's um, but it still happens quite a lot, you know, through networking um, and through just general clients recommending clients or people moving through through agencies and so on or businesses. Mm. Um, there's still a lot of um, RFP work. I mean, that the agency world is is generally full of RFPs, mm. um, certainly in the Middle East in particular. Mm. Um, More so than the UK? Yeah, absolutely. I think. Why um, do you think? Um, I don't know. I think maybe um, the Middle East a bit more procurement-led. Mm. I think, um, you know, not to say that you, the Europe doesn't have, or the UK and Europe doesn't have procurement departments, they do, but um, Middle East is a, a little bit more procurement-led mm. um, in that respect. So and the procurement process is is generally you know, the, the route that we will follow um, mm. if we're kind of going to be uh, commissioned uh, work um, in the Middle East generally. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And the third area you mentioned, um, you were going to say? Yeah. And, and the third area really is, is from us just marketing ourselves. You know, as yeah. I say, as I was talking to you at the top of this um, before we jumped online is that um, we, we didn't market the agency before. Um, so we would generally rely on word of mouth or, you know, RFP is landing um, in the business, but now we're actively doing a lot more marketing, uh, promoting the agency, mm. you know, um, you're sponsoring events and hosting events and so on in order to gain a little bit more traction around what we do and the kind of journey that we can take brands on really. Yeah. You know, we, we did have a quick chat beforehand about how usually it's all about the clients and you're doing branding and marketing work for the clients yeah. and not that you forget about your own services and your own agency, but it's almost the accepted norm that you remain discreet as an agency Absolutely. not as discreet as some of these venture capital websites i was on one the other day and it's got no link it's just got a word yeah, on yeah. the website yeah, yeah. but advertising agencies don't really shout about themselves and digital ones um and you know do you think that that's right and do you, why do you think that is yeah yeah i mean it's, it's it's something that we toy about a lot and i often say when um people it's a little bit of a cobbler's wife scenario um you know it's that we're so focused um, on producing work or creating, um, you know, things for businesses and, and clients that we we either neglect or we don't have time to do, or we're restricted to mm. do things for ourselves. And we have to be very discreet. You know, we work with some fantastic brands and businesses, um, really um, pushing them into into the next world and to their next um, direction and how they'll kind of evolve their businesses in these various digital channels. So we have, as an agency, have a um, a duty of care, really, to be uh, discreet around what we do, um, and um, to also just ensure that we're there's the right balance between what we say and then mm. also um, you know the sensitivity that we have around yeah. the work that we do. I can understand that, particularly around clients' work and and that side of things. Mm. But also, you know, I remember coming from a similar area to to you, Carl. But I remember uh, in the UK and Ireland. Uh, reading magazines each year and the top digital agencies and yeah. magazines like New Media Age at the time. And yeah. they would often disclose the revenues yes. to, as one of the criteria to be in the top 50 or whatever. 
And that doesn't seem to happen as much. And it doesn't seem to definitely doesn't happen here. Yeah. And we're quite as a company, as a media uh, publisher, broadcaster, we're quite transparent mm. with what, with our, not necessarily our client work and, and it's different agencies because it's not as, um, you know, we're not as, uh, we're not on retainers per se. And we're, we're not, we're not, um, open to seeing all the marketing plans for the year. It's more kind of project based, but we disclose our revenue. And I was chatting to a friend the other day who has an agency and asked me, why do we do that? And I kind of said, well, I don't believe that, uh, you know, a private company means that you're not on the public markets. It doesn't mean that you have to be private, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, but also that, you know, maybe that we would like to be on the public markets in the future. And I think transparency is important, but, you know, do you think that, that, is that something that you would disclose? Like could, if I asked you now what your revenue forecast for this year is, would you disclose it? Um, I mean, there's nothing, we, there's nothing really to, from our perspective, I think it's an interesting question. I think, um, um, you know, the, in the oldest days of advertising, um, I mean, not that, not that long ago, but I feel like not that long ago, but probably was quite a while ago. We were talking a lot about media spend. We talked a lot yeah. about, uh, campaign spend, you know, how much were X brands spending on this, how much were X brands spending on this and so on. And so there's a lot of conversations around that, you know, um, you know, such brand are going to put so much into outdoor, so much, such brand are going to put X amount into the agency and they've got you know, a you know, multi-million yeah. you know, dollar account and so on. Fair so enough. it was relatively straightforward to work it out, you know, so I could work out the number of, uh, of, of an agency in London by understanding what they've what won, they'd what won and so they've on. Won, yeah. And you used to see a lot of that. I think yeah. in, in, and you do still do to a certain extent, I think in probably some of the, the other ad agencies, but from a, a, a digital agency's perspective, um, is there is generally, I guess, a bit of secrecy around, mm you know, um, who's one more, there's very little disclosure around, okay, how much a brand has to spend on, on X amount and so on and so forth. Okay. So, but that was a very political, uh, yeah, uh, I noticed. Uh, so to, not to getting, get not, no, but, not I mean, getting a number, yeah, but it, but it's, um, but you know, from our perspective, I mean, we've, you know, we've, we've publicly announced our, our growth, you know, we're talking around, um, you know, um, where we're going, how we're growing over the next kind of couple of years. So you were expecting to you know, finish 2022 at around 7 million US dollars um, in, in kind of global revenue, uh, yeah. give or take, obviously dependent on the, the UK pound to dollar exchange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the change that's happening there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm not asking just to pry, it's just for industry for people to understand yeah. because, you know, there's also in an emerging market, uh, you know, there's the IAB do a lot of work around market sizing yeah, and, yeah. you know, developing different ecosystems. And it's just interesting to know, uh, where the industry is, where the employment mm. is, the size of the industry, the size of the skill sets and many things and where spend is going. And, you know, to that point, you know, of, of the breakdown, you know, where is your services or where is your work done? Is it more on the consulting side? Is it on the design sides of digital or, or the development or content? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, so we, we generally will split the services into a number of sectors. So, um, what we call it, like consulting of strategy. Mm. Um, um, and then we have what we will look at design and that encompasses, um, experience design, um, user experience design, product design in that. Um, and then we have development and that development is split into a number of sectors, uh, again, so whether it be backend system development, front end, um, development, you know, support retainer based development or, um, actual 
granular product development. And then we have the content um, uh, side of the business, which primarily loops back into the very beginning because you know you can't launch a a digital product, a digital site, an app without content. Mm. Um, and so that, and when when I talk about content, I'm talking about you know product descriptions, you know articles, you know how um, the user navigates and and the language and the words that they see on the page as they move through the journey of the site. Mm. And that we we opened the content division of the of uh, the agency around three years ago. And that was primarily based on on that, that you know, there was a bit of a gap between um, um, digital moving at a pace um, at which uh, clients and businesses couldn't grasp mm. the amount of content that was needed in order to kind of um, for allow it to be a good experience. Yeah. So it's been a quite, that's been a quite a successful department for us and um, one that we will kind of grow kind of going and then actually the final section is is an R research and development department okay yeah. which would entail um so that's primarily um around your know, new technology mm. things that are not necessarily revenue generating yet mm. um but could be in the future um you know experiments things that are trial and area what i like to call kind of the ability to fail and the need for failing because you're in this industry where not everything works and you know you know if you you've been in this industry as well for quite some time and you, you see a lot of things come and they go and so on so we really need an area to say well, okay well we'll try this out maybe it works maybe it doesn't and that's not a revenue stream that's not necessarily i mean if we're lucky maybe it, it generates be. revenue yeah but um usually we will allocate x amount of um, money to that department Resources, on a yearly yeah. basis and then try things out we will maybe um um, do pieces of work with 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 businesses who are really interested in in a new technology space, or they'll part fund and we'll part fund and so on. And so forth. yeah, interesting, interesting way to look at it. Yeah, when you were talking about content, it, it digital really is a hungry beast, isn't it? It is. It's, it's never huge. never full. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's it. I and mean, if you have a a a relatively large site, let's say mm. from it, whether it be a, an e-commerce site or a, a hospitality site. You know, you need an enormous amount of content, and and we have um, content. Usually, what we will split into three different uh, categories. Um, one being uh, kind of hero content, so that's all of the content that you do when you land um, on the page. So you know, you've got your your, your big banners saying, "Hey, let's you know, go and buy these pair of jeans," or, or whatever it may be. Mm. Um, you then have your hub content, which is. The kind of stuff, the sticky stuff, you know, the stuff around, you know, blogs and articles, the things that bring people back, you know, and really kind of get them to stay on the site for a period of time before they may make a purchase. Mm. Um, and then finally, you have the content that is there to kind of assist. So it's the it's the signposting, it's your, um, you know, you, your hygiene content and so on. And mm. this really is, it's, it's a lot of work for um for businesses to get a hold of mm. um and i think we as a as a as an agency recognize that and will will help um brands navigate through that and also kind of keep it up to date and make sure that it's it's um it's actually converting as well mm. what's the breakdown of categories you know uh is it fmb is it fintech is it government or rough split um, well, the, the, the UK and European side of the business um, is primarily e-commerce, so it's split. Probably around 70% of the business is e-commerce from mm. a UK and European office 
perspectives. We have a UK office and one in Paris. And um, and the rest of that business is, is split between, you know, fast-moving consumable goods, a little yeah. bit of hospitality and so on. Um, some aviation, which is a new sector that we're kind of really getting into. Um, um, and from a Middle East perspective, a lot of hospitality, as you can expect. Um, but then the rest of the business, again, is is e-commerce and 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 um and then some um you know leisure and government work and e-commerce you're not managing the inventory you're managing the digital presence and but are you doing the performance marketing as well no i mean so we we don't really tackle that sector for but from a commerce perspective we will look at for everything from a strategic perspective to a design and implementation perspective um content as we mentioned um, and then really what we look at, the, the, the next real sector for us from a, um, mainly from a commerce perspective, but from another um, areas is personalization, really. Um, so that personalization of, of the site, personalization of the assets, personalization of the content, and just general personalization of the experience. That's probably, I think, is the most exciting thing around um, um, digital digital transformation at the moment is mm. probably still a little bit under um looked from a from a business perspective there's a lot of brand brands that are doing it really really well mm. um, um but there's, there's a real opportunity around um you know uh, personalized experiences um, online and that's really a, a big area for us at the moment and um i just before we move into industry i just want to ask one more question about like digital so what what was the trigger to be present in Dubai and in the Middle East? Was it a client-led or was it an opportunity that you and your co-founders uh, saw? It's a very good question. Very good question. I mean, um, you know. And when did uh, it happen? <laughs> well, um, around 2017, I think um, we we opened the office here and we'd, we'd been back and forth for around six months prior to that. Um, but we were um, doing a, a very interesting piece of work for uh, General Mills in the UK. Um, and we had, through one of the people we were working for, General Mills, we had a connection um, um, to a, a series of um, offices here that had a number of digital agencies. And um, um, they saw the work and were quite interested, um, interested in the, the evolution of e-commerce in the Middle East. And we, at that time, we had kind of a reasonably good e-commerce folio. Um, so they helped fund um, 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 the business in, in the Middle East. You know, it took a little bit of time, but um, it's been, you know, it's quite been quite successful. And, and you know, we've, we know we've really grown to life. I live here now. We've really grown to love it. Um, and yeah, so that's the kind of potted yeah. history. So we didn't know an awful lot about it, but um, um, before we came in 2017, um, but, you know, it's proven to be really great and this enormously vibrant, exciting uh, digital market as well as new e-com. And, uh, you know, market entry for agencies is always an interesting thing. Uh, was it, how many co-founders? Is it two? Or? So there's two co-founders yeah. and, and we have now, we've evolved, we have a, a, you know, a board and a series of other shareholders as well um, who have um, invested in, in the agency over the last five or six years. And, you know, when you were deciding to be here, was it decided that one of your, your partner would stay in the UK or Europe and you would handle this region? Um, that was it. 
something like that. <laughs> 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 wasn't as um, um so i came over um to you know, help set up you know um we find an office um where did you um, find your office uh, just in so we we registered at dmcc okay. um we had some advisors who who were um who helped us kind of navigate the landscape and so on and so mm. forth because you know, as i say we didn't know an awful lot about um you know i've been a couple of times and so on so they helped navigate the the office setup and 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 various you know they had a couple of clients that we were fortunate enough to to kind of have um when we kind of joined and so on mm. um so yeah so that was um it was yes and then out of kind of like a bit of uh i don't know i was just i was just happened to be here and mm. then it just six months turned into 12 and 12 happened that way and then so on and so forth way it but, tends to, you know, yeah. so it just it is what it is but you know i've you know my family live here now you know really grown to love it um you know we have a great life and and you know the agency has has really cemented its roots um um in dubai you know it's an interesting case study because not a not every service company succeeds in mm. that transition mm. um and people would love to know why what what were the learnings did you it clearly wasn't plug and play you clearly had to adapt no 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 there was certainly no <laughs> plug and play and someone i was speaking to a, an md of another agency uh, a few months ago i having dinner with him and he he said to me he said he said most other agencies they just move to the next uh city you know so they your uk will open a paris office or we'll open an office in germany or so on it's like not many people go from the uk to mm. to the middle east or, or to buy because it's, it's not exactly a half an hour flight mm. um he had a point but at the, at the moment i didn't really think about that you know five or six years ago um so it wasn't really plug and play and you know there was a lot of um difficulty primarily in your personal adaption you know so you know it's it's a different lifestyle you know it's a different way of doing business um it's a it's a different digital economy and know, different um, broader economy as well yeah exactly yeah. exactly so it, it was it was you know um you're know, doing business on a day-to-day -day basis is quite different to that um from a, a uk perspective you, you you have to learn you know the brands and you know i i'm very familiar with um you know the brands and 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 how they operate and we've also got a big network in the uk we, d we came to dubai with none of that mm. you know i wasn't familiar with the the structure of how the groups work and you know and so on and so forth it's it's also quite different from a a uh from a kind of granular level you know the usage of technology and, and so on and so forth so you know that took a really a couple of years to kind of figure out mm. you know so really 2017 and and 2018 was um was was really navigating the landscape um you know we were fortunate to have some investment in order to to help navigate that landscape um but you're know, coming out of 2018 and into 19 when we really began began to find our flow we really adapted the business model to work for um for the middle east and and and, and the uae um, and then the pandemic happened. Well, that was yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, and then that came along. So we were just finding the flow, and then and then the pandemic happened. So, but you, um, but it wasn't. You didn't retreat. You didn't give up on here when the pandemic happened. Did you think about that you might have to for a moment in March twenty twenty? You, you know, I, I think it was it was scary for everybody. You know, yeah. I think it was. Um, you know, we it was. You know, there was a moment where I think you know, kind of a lot of um, our clients. You know, um, you know, we're, we're quite nervous around what the future looks like and so on. 
Um, and then you know, even from an e-com perspective, which doesn't you require you to um, go to a physical location or, or interact with a, mm. a physical person. You were talking about um, the warehouses were not open, you know, and so on. So it was people really didn't know what to do in those early stages. So you know, we just certainly had three months of, of of real challenges trying to figure out like what this. Uh, world look like and now we look back at it and we say okay we know digital's thriving and we uh, and it was a real kind of growth sector during covid but in that first three months i think the whole world including digital didn't really know how mm. to adapt you know so definitely yeah but you, you obviously stayed and, and kept going um so just uh, talk to me a little bit about you know independence agencies usually and this may be generalizing they would look at one of the holding companies and they could be acquired and you mentioned investment what do you think the new status quo is for uh, a service-based agency you know not only how do you survive with digital transformation but what's the sort of business outlook what's the view of the market on these type of businesses are they needed can they survive and you know can they be part of holding groups in the future that will they remain will they and you remain independent i mean it's a good it's a good question i think i generally will see it probably into three categories you still have the big conglomerates you know your wpps and your your publicists and so on and so forth um and they do incredible work they have you know very large accounts um um, and on the very other end of the scale, you have a, a kind of a lot of small shops who and who are, you know, will you do a, you know, a site for you know, ten thousand dollars or so on and so forth, or maybe less in some respects. But then, kind of in the middle, is a, a series of of agencies that are extremely good. Um, they have great service offering and they're really dealing um, with clients who are um, kind of moving through digital in a very, very different way from from what we've ever previously experienced. You know, you've got um, brands who um, maybe haven't had a great bricks and mortar presence, but are really dominating things from a, a online perspective. You've got play, play e-commerce brands and so on and so forth. So it's a the, the and obviously a whole range of different startups and so on but you have a a real mix of of opportunity so that means that that brands and businesses need agencies that are a little bit more agile yeah but experienced mm. and i think that's kind of where you know our kind of raison d'etre is to a certain extent is you know we're small enough mm. to be agile um um, but then points. experienced enough to really, you know, we've, you know, got a lot of, a lot of experienced people in the team who've been doing this for a number of years and they can really offer not just the advice around what's happening in the right now, but then also what's going on in the future and, and so on and so forth. So it's, it's that agility, uh, and, and experience, I think is key. And, you know, the whole surfer and the oil tanker kind of thing is we're not quite the surfer, but, you know, we're, we're. You know, we're not the oil tanker. Uh, yeah, interesting analogy for this region as well with, with the environmental changes that are going on. But so, uh, just a question about related to that around your offering. Do you think, Carl, that some of the services in digital have been commoditized over the years, like like video and things like that? Um, yeah, I, I do, I do, and I think it probably you'll probably see more of it. I think, um, and I think it will probably hit a number of 
digital agencies. Um, um, you, you've, if you look at development, for uh, for example, um, mm. it's probably very much a commodity. If um, you know, I'm talking around the the programming and code, you know, there is a lot of need for something, um, and therefore it must be then commoditized, and mm. it's often commoditized to okay a price perspective you know so how low can i get um this thing coded for or this thing done yeah so and that really is a commodity in it in itself you then have um other areas which are much harder to commoditize so uh, strategy user experience design uh user interface design just jet personalization and yeah. so on so you have areas that are they and the reason I think they 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 can't be commoditized is because they need human interaction. Mm. And it's very difficult to to commoditize something that needs a, a human being in order to make a decision or mm. do something off the back of it. Human being with experience and understanding of the yeah yeah the because challenge. exactly because at the end of the day you know we're all human beings and actually there are human beings using these products and services. Mm. So you can really only get um, that kind of insight from another human being okay well how does that happen you can't necessarily get it from i mean obviously you can have the data and, and things behind it but there is a human touch to be to at the end of it um but yeah but then you've seen things like you know ai generated video ai mm. generated um imagery and so on and that's so we're going to see more of this happen mm. but you know where it will sit is kind of yeah, and it will be an interesting journey, I think. And the personalized shopping part of it, uh, you know, what's happening there? What's happening with e-commerce now with social and uh, what stage are we at this year? What are the kind of trends that you're seeing? Um, so a lot of personalization and you know, Netflix is the, is, the, is the king of personalization. You built an entire business on personalization and, and you know, AI generated uh, decisions. Um, and many brands now are, are bringing that into their day-to-day -day. Uh, because we've probably subconsciously, we are realizing that if we, if we don't get personalized information and personalized content, then the drop-off rate is quite high, you know? So this talks about, so we're all individuals and we all have our own likes and we have our own needs and we all have our own wants at any particular moment of time. So any business that is serving content or experiences in a digital channel needs to be aware of that. Mm. So when I land on your site at this particular time, you need to understand as much about me as you can and then serve me the things that I want and I'm going to engage with um, um, or I will just go somewhere else. Okay. That's really, I think, is, is where the big kind of trend is it's a really hyper personalization you know and on a day-to-day -day granular level so i really kind of um really i'm guided through an experience that that is catered for me i mean not i'm not talking completely uniquely for, for me but for my needs and it makes it accessible in that way does it does that become more challenging in the era the end of the third party cookie and with less sort of third party data Without a doubt, <laughs> but it's, it's not impossible. I mean, it's um, it's not impossible. So it will, you, you'll probably see a need of, of, you know, there'll be more logged in states. There'll be more account based uh, mm. things. Um, less in, obviously, less inferred data. So no doubt, the the the, the cookie um, rules that are again going to come up again are going to cause some issues to this. Mm. But um, um, you know, it's 
we will we will still see it as the you know the the kind of the greatest part of interaction, you know, the mm. greatest success, the more personalized content you can deliver or the more personalized of an experience you can deliver, the more likely the user is going to, to convert. Yeah. Um, and that's regardless of whether you're, um, you know, on social or whether you're on a site or whether you're on an app or whether you're in e-com or whether you're in, in the media business, mm. people are so accustomed and have such a demand for things that they want, mm. um, it will. They, we will see an era of just non-tolerance towards anything that's irrelevant, basically. So it's heading in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I think the targeting, the the third-party-led uh, data targeting, usually is a conversation around advertising. And yeah. you gave a really interesting example, like Netflix didn't need that to yeah. provide something relevant to people. Yeah, they they were able to do it based on behavior on their. Yeah, e exactly, and and I think. You know, it's easy for Netflix because you know, once upon a time, and you know, for, for those people who remember Netflix in the very early days, um, you know, it, it kind of surfaced just content that it had purchased from various other movie studios that they were yeah. no longer thought. You know, it's kind of bottom pile of the DVD stuff. Yeah, it was a library of DVDs yeah, online. <laughs> the, you know, their personalization algorithm has become so sophisticated mm. that it now understands, okay, well, X people watch this here in this country and so on, and we will generate and create content off the back of that. Now, for any that, – that, that's obviously a multi-billion dollar business model, but the, the actual the theory and the concept is relatively straightforward, and any brand – can really deliver off the back of that. Mm. It's really, okay, understand the consumer. Like, what are they doing? Why are they doing it? What do they want to see? When do they drop off? When do they engage? Okay, great. Well, that works, that doesn't work, et cetera. And it's the more businesses lend to that model, you know, the more success um, you'll see because it, it's a competitive market out there and it's becoming more and more competitive. Mm. Um, and and consumers are becoming more and more um demanding around their needs basically mm. what's your view on sort of outside of digital agency and services uh what's your view on the e-commerce in the region in terms of marketplaces um individual people having uh product based uh e-commerce platforms or uh you know that shift from sort of that digital transformation from bricks to mortar to online and and that as well. Like, where do you think we are? Are we still behind the UK? Or do we still have a way to go? Um, I think um, you know, there's been an amazing um, yeah, yeah. development over the last you know, since COVID, and 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 there's huge ambition. Some in, in brands um, and some of the brands that we're working with are doing incredible work in order really to propel um, their uh, e-commerce uh, transformation journey. Um, so that it's kind of leagues ahead. And I think it's very, very sophisticated at the moment, not just from a, a design operational, um, and system integration perspective also, but from a logistic perspective and so on. And, and you know, the likes of, you know, UNAS and, and Namshi, I mean, it's as good as anywhere, if not better mm. than anywhere. Last mile delivery, you know, user incredible. experience, I mean, it's payment incredible. gateways, yeah. everything's uh, yeah. there. And it's, it's come on leaps and bounds and, um, it's and it's this is really why Dubai now is becoming this digital hub for the world, yeah. Because mm -hmm. you know we've got you know incredible support um, um, in 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 the, in the country, and um, you know people are really taking this seriously. They want the best, you mm -hmm. know, and and actually the best is happening, and it's it's really impressive. I think from where we are right now, and I think it can only 
um, evolve and, and, and get better, I think. If a client asked you, you went back to your desk now, Carl, and they said, <laughs> I want a, an e-commerce strategy for NFTs, what would you tell them? <laughs> um, I, I, such, I, I mean, I kind of, um, you know, it, it's a very interesting question. I kind of, you know, I've, I'm getting asked about this quite a lot. Uh, really? Not just by clients, but you know, I, I write for a lot of um, publications here. Very similar um, kind of questions. It's hot topic. Um, what we would probably do is 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 go back and say, okay, well, let's look at you know where where are you on on this journey? Yeah. Um, now, would we do it? Like, would we say, okay, well, we're going to go away and do something, and at the end of it, you're going to have an NFT strategy? Maybe the answer is no, hmm. um, because I think. Really, I'm a, f a firm believer of okay. Well, is it right for the brand? Yeah. So, this may be something you can you can do. Um, it may be right for your brand. It may be right for your consumer. Let's you know if we've worked with you already, then we probably would have an understanding of around, and maybe we're already in conversations. Mm. If you're new to the agency, um, there'd be a level of of exploration around. Okay, well. Okay, this is where you are. This is where you are in your transformation journey. This is how this may slot in. But one of the big questions I'd be asking is around, okay, well, what do you want as a return? Mm. Are you looking for, a, is this a marketing strategy? Are you actually looking for a, a genuine return off the back of that? Mm. So there's, there's a lot of, um, um, you know, things that we can kind of ask and explore before we actually get to a, okay, well, we're definitely going to deliver you an NFT strategy and so on. Because for me, I think, um, you know, digital, um, is around the consumer. Yeah. And there must be a consumer need. And, and if there's a consumer need, there's interest, mm. um, and there is return, you know, mm. and there is, um, you know, you get consumer evangelists and some brand evangelists mm. and that's success, uh, because ultimately we want to create brand success. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good answer. It relates to the position that you, you talked about at the start of like digital. It's not like saying NFTs is, you know, 10 years ago when a client would say, I want a mobile app and you would deliver it versus wondering, do they need an app at that point? Exactly. And some people, like you remember back then, some brands launched apps for campaigns, mm. mobile apps, mm. before they had a brand app, before yeah. they had an app strategy. So it's very, sounds like it's similar. And rather than position yourselves, let's just launch a bunch of NFT projects because we can generate quick revenue there. Uh, let's ask the question of where does this fit in general? Exactly. And I think what comes with your experience is advice mm. um, and you, you would advise on whether or not this is the right strategy. Now you do an NFT, you get a lot of column inches. Mm. Yeah. So if your objective um, and your return is to get a lot of column inches, then okay. Mm. But if your objective is to generate revenue, then, or create um, your bigger consumer in interest. I mean, this is what, what are you trying to do um, mm. um, in your actual in, in the kind of transformation journey of going on this. And I think that's really the questions around that we would try and facilitate out of any, any business that asked that kind of question. Mm, interesting. Okay, cool. Um, coming to the end, you've been in the region now five years. 
sort of what's the sort of medium to long term view of the region and the short term view, you know, it's obviously it goes without saying it's a buoyant sort of Q4 in the region with the World Cup with, you know, events and good weather and everything like that. Uh, so how are you looking at the short term and long term view in the region specifically around uh, maybe other market entries and expansion? Yeah, I mean, it's enormously exciting time. I mean, uh, Dubai is an incredibly exciting place to be here at the moment. The Middle East is enormously exciting. Um, I mean, plans for the business really is um, we are there's we are opening a office in 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 Kingdom Saudi Arabia um, in Q1 next year. I'm Great heading idea. there. I'm heading there next week in order to help kind of facilitate that, which is which is great. We're very excited about that. Um, we're also excited around. Um, you know the UK relations with the UAE. You know we were a, a you know UK formed business, um, and you know with what's happening um, with the UK and and the trade agreements and stuff with with um, the UAE, we were getting a lot of interest on brands coming into into the UAE and the Middle East in general, looking at how they can expand their presence um, from a digital side of things. So that's extremely exciting. Those two kind of elements really are, are mm. really, um, some key areas mm. of growth. And then really off the back of that is, 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 I guess the excitement around new technology, um, um, as a whole, um, you know, the future of where we are kind of going, um, not just, I guess in that next stage of transformation, you know, once we are kind of, you know, once we have the basics and the and a great foundation in place mm. it's like okay well what's next you yeah know? and i think um you know dubai is an incredibly exciting place for those conversations absolutely it seems to be pioneering on what's next with mm. with future and digital doesn't absolutely. it brilliant pleasure talking to you this you morning too. carl and thank we'll you, keep an eye out for like digital in future brilliant thank you very much thanks, thanks for having me Uh, that was a really fun conversation. Carl and I actually chatted for another good 10 minutes after uh, we stopped recording. Uh, very similar industries, very similar space, and can, very impressed with what they're doing and can learn a lot from them. I hope you enjoyed it too. Uh, thank yous, uh, the usual big thank yous to our team here at Augustus Media. I'd like to thank uh, Shahir and Ali, the producers of the show, uh, and also would like to thank our sponsors, Evest, uh, for making this possible. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you're listening or watching or anything on the apps or social media, please do like, comment, subscribe and share with a friend uh, or anyone in the industry you think might be interested. Uh, you know, every week we have different uh, guests. Next week uh, it goes to property, real estate section. And, uh, you know, we go back and forth in different industries, different sectors. Every Fridays at 11 o'clock, uh, you will also get it on the Smash Sheet apps you'll be able to watch in full uh we've just gotten fancy new shiny ios and android uh mobile apps smart tv apps and we're available on uh smart tvs as well so uh sony and samsung and the likes all right uh speak to you next week